step into your grace by faith. Your grace that makes preaching easy and hearing the word of God a sweet delight. Uh, we are not of those that speak the letter but the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life. Let the life of the word be experienced here today. Let the life of the word be experienced in our lives. Let it be experienced in our businesses. Let it be experienced in our marriages. Let it be experienced in our hearts, O oh God. God, we desire life today. The life that only the word and the spirit can give. Holy Spirit of God, you that lights our candle and enlightens our darkness. You that opens the eyes of our understanding. Help us see today. Hallelujah. Let the testimony of your presence in this place be a revelation of light. Let us see that which we have not seen before. That we may walk in things that you have prepared for us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 15, and um, I'm going to read from verse, verse 21. Okay, let's see how it comes down this morning. It says, for sins by man came death. By man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. You know in the Amplified Version of um, 1 Corinthians 15, 22 it says... For just as because of their union of nature in Adam all people die, so also by virtue of their union of nature shall all in Christ be made alive. You know, a few weeks ago I did a teaching which I titled, In Adam All Die and All Means All. Well, this morning, I have titled this message, In Christ, All Shall Be Made Alive. Amen. In Christ, all shall be made alive. We began in Adam, but we are now in Christ. It says, in Adam all die. We learned that death does not mean a cessation of life. It doesn't mean a cessation of being. Whenever the Bible speaks about death, it doesn't mean to cease to exist, it means to be separated. Death is a separation. And we examine the fact that um, there are actually three kinds of death. Anyone remember what they are? There is physical death, there is spiritual death, and there is eternal death or the second death. Physical death is a separation of your spirit and soul from your body. When somebody dies... They don't cease to exist. They've just left their body. Just like when I take off this top I'm wearing, I'm not going to cease to exist, but my top is going to be on the floor lifeless. Everybody here. But it's only lifeless because what gives it life is my body in it. Yeah? In like manner, what gives your physical body life is your presence in that body. Thank you very much. 
So when you die physically, all that happens is that you leave your body. So physical death is more accurately somebody just leaving their body. Everybody here. Spiritual death is the separation of man's spirit and soul from the life of God. Or from union with God. When God spoke to Adam and Eve or Adam in the, in the Garden of Eden, he said, If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in dying you shall die. He said you're going to experience two kinds of death. You are going to experience, experience instant death. Or instant spiritual death, instantly the union between you and I will be broken. My spirit will depart from your spirit. My life force will depart from your spirit. You will still exist, but you will not be in union with me anymore. Amen. He says you will die spiritually, and then after some time you will die physically. So spiritual death is the second kind of death or kind of separation. And the third kind, of course, is eternal death, which is also called the second death. And the Bible says that those who do not give their lives to Jesus, there's going to be a, a time in the future called the great white throne judgment. And the Bible says that the devil, the false prophet, and everyone that has not been found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. And that is called the second death. That is a place where those people will be eternally separated from the presence of God. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, blessed is the man that is not, uh, that avoids the second death. Everyone say, I'm a blessed man. Because you have, you have embraced life. And you have passed from death to life. So there are three kinds of death. You know, in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible says that by one man sin came into the world and death through sin. And what we discovered a few weeks ago about this death is that when death entered into Adam, or when Adam sinned and opened the door to death, death began to spread from Adam. It spread to all men. So when our ancestor made that decision to sin against God and open the door to death, death came into, into the human race and death began to pass to all men. And we understood that everything that has its source in Adam dies and is destined for God's judgment. That's why the Bible says that in Adam all die. In Adam all die. Because we were all in Adam when he made the decision to step out of life and, and walk away from union with God. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. In Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the souls of disobedience, among whom also we all, everyone say we all, among whom also we all once conducted our lives or ourselves in the loss of, the of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature, everyone say nature, we were by nature children of wrath just as the others. 
It says we're not different from everybody else. Like everybody else, we were by nature children of wrath. Children that were destined for God's judgment. You know, we don't sin. Or we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We were born into a world where sin and death and Satan reigned. We are born from an ancestry of sin. We are born into a state of sin. And we embraced the nature of sin. The Bible says that we were by nature children of wrath. The death that Adam opened the door to spread to us. Amen. We were destined for the judgment of God. But thank God that that is not the end of the story. The Bible says that God sent a redeemer. He sent somebody to come and die for us. But you see, this redeemer couldn't come from the same ancestry. Because in Adam, all die. So this redeemer couldn't come from Adam. Everybody here. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 1. This morning we're talking about in Christ all shall be made alive. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now I know we normally read this. We normally read this um, during Christmas time. And unfortunately most of the time when we read it during uh, Christmas time, there's a, almost like a glaze over our eyes. And we just interpret it in the context of Christmas and we just forget about the real meaning of what is being conveyed here. Look at verse 18 of uh, Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together or before they had sex or before they were married, before their union was consummated, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It says that that seed, that, that, that body is not of the seed of man, that the origin of that person is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not come from the seed of man. You know, the virgin birth was not just um, important from the perspective that it was a miracle. You know, a virgin will give birth to a child. That in itself is a miracle. But it was beyond that. For there to be a redeemer that will save humanity from their sins, he could not come from the first Adam. He couldn't come from Adam because everything in Adam dies. So in order for God to redeem us, he had to redeem us through a man, but that man couldn't come from Adam because the line of Adam was mortally tainted. 
You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we're reading earlier, in verse 45, I'll read that very quickly. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the Bible says, So it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, everyone say the last Adam, became a life-given spirit. You know, the word Adam has nothing to do with a male. It, it is just indicative of humanness. Because Adam means, um, it, it means mankind. Everybody here. Because the Bible says that in the beginning, God said, we're going to make man, Adam, mankind in our image and our likeness. And he made mankind male and female. There was a male, Adam, and a female, Adam. Everybody here. Yeah? So, so God made them male and female, but man, mankind, was called Adam. Adam. Now, the Bible says that in the first Adam, the first Adam was a living soul. Now, now Adam was the progenitor of the human race. He was the federal head. He was the first one. And therefore, the decisions he made affected his total lineage. The state he chose to be in affected his seed. Every single one of us was in Adam. When he made the decision to turn his back against God and walk away from union with God and open the door to sin and death and enter into a state of separation from God, every single one of us was in, that, it was in Adam. And that is why when we're all born, we are, we're all born into a state of sin and we all embraced the same nature. But the Bible says there was a last Adam. And the word Adam is significant. Notice it didn't say there was a second Adam. It says the last one. This is the last one. Are you with me? There was a last first. Because Adam means the first. Man, there was a, a, this person that came. Became to begin a new lineage. A new race. It says even though the first Adam was a living soul. The last Adam was a life giving spirit. The last Adam was a life-given spirit. Some translations say the last Adam was a quickening spirit. A life-given spirit. In the, in the Greek, the word life, in that phrase life-given spirit or quickening spirit is the word zoe. Everyone say zoe. It says the last Adam came to bring a new kind of life. And the Bible says that in Adam, or in the first Adam, all die. But in the last Adam, all are made alive, or all receive this Adam's kind of life, this Zoe life, called this new life that this new Adam has brought. Everybody here. It says this Adam is a life-giving spirit. Everyone that comes into Christ or comes into the last Adam shall have zoe of this life, life imparted in them. The word shall, you know it says, um, you know when I was young and I was learning all these wonderful words, for some reason I grew up thinking that shall, S-H-A-L-L, -L, meant 
something I may or may not do. Yeah? And as I grew up, I realized that there was a fault. There was, there was something faulty. I always interpreted or translated shall the way you interpret will. Yeah? I will do something. So it's something that, you know, depending on the credibility of the person in question, it may go from meaning, forget it, it's never going to happen, or I will do my very best in the best of my ability to fulfill it. So in my mind, I always thought that is what shall meant, like a, 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 a sense of prob probability. But you know, shall is, is really one of the strongest ways of um, emphasizing certainty and inevitability. The word shall here is used in an emphatic sense, meaning this is certainly the case. This is inevitable. So it says in Adam all die, but in Christ, in the last Adam, all shall receive life. All shall receive life. All shall be quickened. All shall receive this thing called Zoe. All shall receive this new life that this quickening spirit has come to bring. You know, we know a spiritual being never dies. We know that we're going to live forever. So this life can't have anything to do with quantitative or long longevity it goes beyond longevity because you know whether you like it or not you are going to live forever are you with me you're going to live forever when you die your but your spirit is just going to leave your body and you're going to live forever either with god or with satan you're just going to live somewhere you're going to end up either being incarcerated in the lake of fire or enjoying eternal um, bliss with the lord I mean, it's like a no-brainer choice, right? So, so what, what does this life mean? What difference does this life make? You know, Jesus in, in John 10.10 10 said, The thief has come but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come that you may receive life. I am the life-giving spirit. I have come to impart this thing called Zoe into your spiritual man. I have come that you may receive life and receive it more abundantly. The word abundantly shouldn't be seen in the, in the sense of, you know, I'm giving you a lot of it. Like quantitative. It has nothing to do with that. The word abundantly, perison in the Greek, means more than sufficient. Everyone say more than sufficient. Or over and above. Everyone say over and above. So Jesus said, I am coming to impart a different kind of life. I am coming to impart a different quality of life. I am coming to impart a life that is over and above what you have currently experienced. That is more than sufficient for you. In John 3.16. Where it says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Will not perish but have what? Eternal or everlasting life. The word life there is Zoe. It says I have come to give you life. But it's not eternal as you know. I've come to give you long life. No. I have come to give you a quality of life. 
And this quality of life is going to last forever. Did you get it? I am going to impart into you a new order of life. And it's not going to be temporary. It is going to be forever. This quality of life, once it's imparted in your spirit, will remain and remain and remain through the ages. He says, if you believe in me, if you believe into me, if we believe in the word believe in, in ace into, you believe into Christ. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. He enters into a new state. He receives the quickening of his spirit. He receives this thing called Zoe. He's given this thing over and above more abundantly. And this thing called Zoe will last forever. When he leaves his body, this Zoe will remain there. In all the ages of eternity, this Zoe will continue to abide. This quality of life will continue to abide in his spirit. Look at John chapter 5. Verse 24. We're on a short journey this morning. John chapter 5 verse 24. Jesus is speaking again here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in me, who, and believe in him who sent me, has everlasting life. I shall not come into judgment because, but has passed from death into life. Look at verse 26. It says, for as the father, everyone say the father, has life in himself. So he has granted the son to have life in himself. Now, now we're getting some clarity now. It says the father has this life. That word's life, there's Zoe. He said this life is the quality of life that the father has. And he says the father has it. The son has it. This is the quality of life that God has. Now, to complete this thought, look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. 1 John 5, 11 says, And this is our testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has what? Has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. Now, now, this is where the story of the new creation begins. The Bible says that the last Adam, in the last Adam all die. All die because it's an ancestry of death. But in Christ, all shall be made alive. Christ is a quickening spirit. He has come to impart a new quality of life to everyone that believes into him. And he says he's going to give you this life abundantly. It's going to be forever. It's going to last through the ages. And he says, by the way, the quality of life I am going to impart into you is the same quality of life that God has. It's the same quality of life that Jesus has. 
and it's now going to be your quality of life. So you are going to have the same quality of life that is in the Father and in the Son. Everybody here. Now you understand why the apostle says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror because I have the same quality of life imparted into my spirit through the operation of his grace. I have the same quality of life that God has. I have the same quality of life that Jesus has. You know, the Bible says that in John 1, 4, it says that in him was life and the life was the light of men. You know, whenever we speak about light, we speak about illumination, we speak about development. He says, in him was life, in him was Zoe, the quality of life of God, the same quality that God has. But from that Zoe came something. It wasn't just, you know, I have, I have Zoe in me. No, it says, that quality comes out as development. It will develop your mind. It will develop your body. It will develop everything about you. Development will start from within. Through the impartation of God's life. Look at um, John chapter 8 verse 12. We're looking at a few verses this morning. John chapter 8 verse 12. Hallelujah. It says, and Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He shall have the light. He shall experience the development, the illumination that life brings. The illumination that the presence of Zoe in your heart will bring. You know, there ought to be a difference in your life. Between your life and the life of somebody who does, not, uh, who does not know Christ. One of the fundamental differences is the fact that you possess the life of God. You possess the very same life that God has. And that life is destined to illuminate your mind. It's destined to... To, to enrich every aspect of you. The reason why Jesus did what he did and lived the way he lived and walked in the power that he walked in started off because he had the same life that God has. And because he has imparted the same life in you, you can walk in the same things he walked in. It now makes sense when he says, you know, I go to the Father, but greater works than this shall you do because I go to the Father. Why? Because you are in me and I am in you. As the Father is in me, so is he in you. The same life he has and I have, you have. And that life is going to develop your mind. Look at Philemon chapter 6, of verse 6. Philemon is after Titus. How do we begin to walk in these things? Because a revelation of the fact that you have the life of God in you will change your experience of life. But look at Philemon 6. Verse 
First and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Everyone found it yet? I'll be forever grateful to Steve Wiley. Anyone know who Steve Wiley is? Does anyone want to admit to knowing Steve Wiley? In the 80s, Steve Wiley came up with a thing called Bible Breaks. This was when breakdancing was pretty hot, right? And then he came up with this thing called Bible Breaks. And his Bible Breaks, he, he, uh, he wrapped, he wrapped the, the, uh, the chapter, the, the chronicle of the Bible, you know. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. That's where I memorized how to <laughs> So when I call some, you know, some, uh, some strange book, if you see me sort of moving from side to side, I'm, <laughs> I'm reciting Bible breaks in my mind. <laughs> yeah? I just went through, first time with Timothy, third is Philemon. Okay, yeah, I know where Philemon is. Anyway, Philemon 6. Some of you totally missed that. Don't worry, someone will share the joke with you later on. Philemon 6 says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. It says the sharing of your faith may become effective. You see, the faith you have in Christ is not meant to be a private faith that you just have in your bedroom. People ought to see it on the outside. Yeah, And it's not just a question of the fact that you are preaching to everybody. No, the life in you must come out of your life. It ought to be seen. You are, you are light. Light is the, is the manifestation of life. The quality of life that God has given you, which is his quality of life, will come out in a difference in behavior. Now Philemon here, or in the letter to Philemon, Paul is giving you the secret for your faith to be effective. It says the sharing or the communication of your faith is going to become effective. It's going to become powerful and potent by the acknowledgement of every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. Everyone say the acknowledgement of every good thing in me, in Christ. You know, in Christ, you have good things in you. And one of the fu fundamental good things you have in you is something called what? Zoe, the life of God. And he says that your, your faith will become effective. This Zoe is going to start developing your mind as you begin by acknowledging. You know, the word acknowledge is a very important word. If you're going to acknowledge something, I send you an invite. I'm having an event at the Oriental. And I send you an invitation, um, a, uh, one of these you know, invitations that admit one. And it says, please acknowledge receipt. Yeah? RSVP on this number, otherwise you know, we'll cancel your reservation. When you acknowledge something, you need to recognize it. You need to accept it. You need to believe it. And you need to declare it. Are you with me? This is a secret to growth in God. If you don't do this, you are not going to grow. 
Everybody here. Just like if you don't eat food, you're not going to grow. If you don't do this, you are not going to grow. You might be able to impress others with your knowledge of the Bible. You may be able to impress the pastor with your church attendance. You may be able to impress everybody with your giving, but your life will remain the same. Hallelujah. Oh, let's be quiet in this church this morning. It says that the, the, the communication of your faith will become effective. This life will move out of just being in your spiritual man and it will actually start coming out of your life. Your mind will actually start changing. Your behavior will start changing as you acknowledge every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. It means that you have to begin by recognizing what you have in you. It means you're going to have to proceed into accepting it and then believing it and then declaring it. Recognize, accept, believe, and declare. Everyone say recognize, accept, believe, declare. Recognize, accept, believe, and declare. Look at Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10. You've got to recognize, accept, believe, and declare. Recognize, accept, believe, and declare. You know, the Bible says that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ from a servant, even though he's Lord of all. It says the heir, that's Galatians, uh, in the book, of, uh, that's the book of Galatians, it says the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ from a servant, even though he's actually Lord of all. That's Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. The heir, as long as he's a child. You might be possessor of all things. You may have the very life of God himself. But as long as the heir is a child. Now what is the difference between the heir at age 4 and the heir at age 25? He doesn't receive more authority. He doesn't receive no, more, more power. What does he receive? More knowledge. At age 25 he understands. He recognizes who he is, he accepts who he is, he believes who he is, and he declares it. And all of a sudden, the servants, everybody starts responding to him. Not because he's now 25, but because now he understands, he accepts, he recognizes, he declares. You know, the, the, the demons of hell, um, as long as you are a child, they will still dominate your life. They will still oppress you. They will still come around. The, the, the wiles of the devil will still have you as its focus. As long as you are a child. Everybody here. The devil doesn't say, oh, because you are a child of God and he knows you have all power and all authority and you are seated in Christ uh, in heavenly places, he's not going to come around. If he did it for Jesus, he's going he's to do it for you. I mean, when Jesus was... Um, was, was uh, stepping out into the ministry and he went to the wilderness for 40 days, the devil came to tempt him, right? Do you know why the devil came to tempt him? Let me tell you why. Come closer. 
Only those who come closer will hear this. The devil came to tempt him because the devil wanted to find out if he knew who he was. Are you with me? He wanted to know if he was still a child. If Jesus was a child, in spiritual things, the devil would have dominated his life. The devil comes to tempt you for the same reason. To find out if you know who you are. The Bible says that the heir, as long as he's a child, will be no different from a servant. You'll not be able to pick them out in line. Because they will live like a servant. They will be dominated by a servant. They'll be as poor as a servant. They'll be as sinful as a servant. They'll be as broke as a servant. They will die as a servant, but they will go to heaven. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But on earth, they will be no different from a servant. Paul said to Philemon, listen to me. For the, for, for, for the sharing of your faith to be effective, you must acknowledge every good thing in you in Christ. You must recognize it. You must accept it. You must believe it and declare it. And all of a sudden, the very life of God that possesses your spiritual being will start coming out of your life. It will change your behavior. It will change your thinking. The demons of hell will bow down before you because they see you in Christ. Taking your position and authority. In Romans chapter 10. Verse 6. It says the righteousness of faith speaks. Everyone say righteousness speaks. You know the righteousness of faith does not keep quiet. It speaks. It speaks. You know, if you don't speak up, you're going to be treated like a child. <laughs> you know, my wife tells about how she's changed over the years. We're having uh, dinner with some friends a few weeks ago. And uh, she was saying how, you know, in the early days, she'll go to a restaurant and um, they'll serve whatever, you know. You may ask for Coke, but they'll give you Pepsi. Or for the Pepsi executives in the house, you may ask for Pepsi and they'll give you Coke, you know. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I've learned over the years how to get myself out of trouble. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So anyway, and they bring the Pepsi when you ask for the Coke and, um, and, you, say, and, and you start drinking the Pepsi. And halfway through, you think, this is not, this is not Coke. Not Coca-Cola. And you call the guy and they say, ah, oh, this one too is good now. <laughs> and she'll keep quiet or you know <laughs> you ask for this they give you that you keep quiet and after a while she's like you know what I'm old enough now <laughs> none of all this rubbish this is what I asked for and this is what I'm going to get she began to speak up she began to speak up and now we go to restaurants and I have to almost hide my head and like Lord help me because <laughs> they'll bring they'll say okay we have these salads okay fine I'll have this salad, but without this, without the other. Could you add this, by the way? I think, man, we've learned this thing about speaking up, haven't we? You know, Paul said, the righteousness of faith speaks. It speaks. doesn't keep quiet. It speaks up. Jesus said, whosoever shall say to the mountain, be removed. You know, there are so many people telling God about the mountain. God didn't tell you to tell him about the mountain. He said, speak to it. The righteousness of faith speaks. He said, the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Don't say in your heart, 
Who is going to ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up for the dead. He said, you don't need to go to heaven. You don't need to go to hell. The answer is not there. He says, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. One Bible writer said, with a heart, one believes unto the reality of the truth. With the heart, one believes unto the reality of the truth. And with the mouth, confession is made unto its declaration or into its manifestation. With the heart, one believes unto the reality of truth. With the mouth, confession is made unto its manifestation. If the heir remains a child, if the heir does not recognize, if the heir does not accept, if the heir does not believe, if the heir does not declare, the heir will remain a child. The heir will keep looking for a new anointing. They'll be looking for a breakthrough service. They'll be looking for that minister of God to come and lay hands on me so that my life will be changed. They'll be running helter and skelter from one devil or the other. It might be an ancestral one or it may be... They'll be running. And they have reason to run. Are, are you with me? But Paul says, the answer is not far. It's in your heart and in your mouth. Paul said you've got to acknowledge it. You've got to recognize what you have. You've got to accept it. You've got to believe it and then begin to speak it. It says faith does not keep quiet. The righteousness of faith does not keep quiet. The secret of your life is in your heart and in your mouth. The life of God is already within you. Release that life through your mouth. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter um, 4 verse 13. I've got a few more minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. Paul is speaking again. You know I love the epistles. Because the epistles are the letter of God to the church. If you want to know how to live as a New Testament believer in the authority of Christ, you better read the epistles. Because that's where you get revelation concerning who you are. And then go back to the gospels to see what who you are looks like. Are you with me? Because when you begin in the epistles and go to the gospels, then when you are reading the gospels, you will no longer be the woman with the issue of blood. You will no longer be the centurion. You will no longer be the leper. You will no longer be blind Bartimaeus. You will now be Jesus Christ walking through Galilee and Nazareth. And you will see yourself in Christ and see how the life of God expresses itself to release people from darkness. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, we also believe. We also believe and therefore speak. There are people that are speaking all kinds of rubbish they don't believe. Paul said we have spent time in this. We have spent time 
passing through our minds the fact that the life that God has is the same life that we have. We have spent hours letting that, the, the implications of that flood our minds. And even though my life doesn't feel that way, I have come to accept it. Because God said it. I have come to accept it. And I believe it. And therefore, I speak it. That's why I declare. That's why I declare daily. I have the life of God. When I lay my hands on you, the same life that flows in Christ flows through me. And, and, and destroys the infirmity in your body. Because I am in him. The same life develops my mind. When I'm in business and people are saying that there's no way out. I say, well, you don't understand. The life that is in God is in me. I have access to the wisdom of God. I have the mind of Christ called the Holy Spirit. The very life of God is in me. And I begin to declare that. That is what fills my mind. Paul says, we have the same spirit of faith. As, as it is written, I believe and I have spoken. We also believe. And therefore we speak. We declare. We recognize, we accept, we believe and declare. You know, the last verse I'll read is in Ezekiel 37. Let us turn to it very quickly. Ezekiel 37 Hallelujah. The righteousness of faith doesn't keep quiet. The righteousness of faith is not a nice guy. <laughs> Lamentations Ezekiel. Those of you who want to learn uh, Steve Wiley's Bible breaks him after the service. We'll have a session I know some more some more people here remember that thing you just don't want to admit it because we will be able to tell your age now I know some people who are going to turn 40 very soon and uh, they can't celebrate it because they've told everybody that they are already 45 so we're having to hold the uh, the parties in secret 50 year olds are you know having difficulty now we can't have a big 50-year-old party anymore. <laughs> oh, you don't want to laugh too hard. Everyone's going to look at you. <laughs> Ezekiel 37 verse 1 says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of what? Of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around. And, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord, you know. You know, someone said that when the omniscient asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. So don't think you need to answer the question. He said, Lord, you know. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to come over you and you shall live. Verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a great noise and suddenly a rattling, and bones came together, bone to bone. 
And in verse 9 he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say the breath to the breath. Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. To prophesy means to declare the divine will and purpose of God. What is the divine will and purpose of God that he has declared concerning you? What are the good things in you in Christ Jesus that you are yet to acknowledge? You need to begin to prophesy them. You need to begin to declare them. And as you begin to declare them, the life will become your development of your mind. And the dead dry bones that currently surround you will begin to live. They will begin to live. Those dead dry bones will become a mighty army. Those dead dry bones would feed your family. Those dead dry bones would enrich your community and your nation. As you begin to acknowledge, as you begin to accept and recognize and believe and declare what God says about you. God is not going to make you more loving, more holy, more righteous, more prosperous, more successful. God's answer to man's need was not a new anointing. It was a new creation. Galatians 6.15 says it. It says, you know, nothing profits except a new creation. When God was prophesying concerning this in Ezekiel uh, 36, he said, I'm going to give you a new heart, a new spirit. I'm going to move you from out of Adam into Christ, was what he was saying. For in the first Adam, all die. But in the last Adam, all are made alive. All are equipped with the life of God. All are equipped with the life of God. We must recognize, we must accept, believe, and declare. And that life will develop our minds. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you because the answer has come. The answer has died. The answer has risen. The answer has been exalted. And the answer is now seated. <coughs> Lord, we thank you because the answer is ours. And we are in you. We are in Christ. Thank you for the bountiful grace that you have bestowed upon us by imparting to us the same life that you have. We thank you because this life sets us apart. This life develops our mind. This life stays forever. And we acknowledge this life and we declare it. You might be here this morning and you recognize that you are still in Adam. 